Shalom. Okay, I'm just going to blast right into this. Hi, Internet. It's me. I don't want to say your boy because apparently we're not supposed to say that. Derek always tells me I'm not supposed to use eubonics, which I also learned is not called that anymore. Now we call it AAVE, which stands for African American Vernacular English, which I'm not supposed to use. So I wasn't going to say it, your boy, Dale. But now I screwed it up because I'm here alone. No Derek to keep me on the rail, so let's just see where this wild and crazy ride goes, uh, because this is episode 240 of Outrage Factory. Derek was supposed to record with me. He's in. He was in New Jersey, but then he found out he was flying to Philadelphia early this morning, and he was doing fun stuff with all of his friends and family, so he couldn't slum it with us on the internet. He has to go out and see people IRL. So it's just me. Hopefully I could keep it down. Um, I did get a little excited that I was going to be doing this by myself because I used to do the Dale show, which is my other podcast by myself, but I only ended up doing it for three episodes by myself. I want to say because one, there's way too much editing. Every time I take a drink, like this, I have to edit it out because nobody wants to see like five extra minutes of me holding a cup to my face. I might leave that one in just for dramatic effect, but I will edit the other ones out. The other reason why I stopped recording by myself is it's actually super fucking hard to keep yourself on track and keep uh, keep yourself from going, uh, uh. It's really hard to talk to yourself. Like I'm literally talking to myself because I'm staring at my webcam reflection. So I am talking to myself, but it's so hard to do that and not throw in ums and ahs like you're Justin Trudeau or something. So, but I did get excited. Like I said, like I was talking about, I got excited because I was doing a little bit of research into BLC 18 and I was like, you know what? I could talk about Bill C-18 because it's in the news right now and everybody's saying how the government's going to stop Google from putting – there's all these like weird right-wing people saying that the government's stopping you from reading the news, which isn't what's going to happen. But I also don't want to get into that off the bat because I know there's some people <coughs> – Neil, my older brother, who hates listening to Dale Reed. So what I'm going to do – is I'm going to go over some current events, some interesting stuff that's happening on the internet, and then I'll do a big chunk of Beale's, Beale, Bill C-18 stuff at the end. So that way, if you get sick of just hearing my voice, you can tune out and turn it off before you get to the listening to my voice read stuff. And if you've never heard me read stuff, I do it once in a while on this podcast. You're in for a treat because sometimes I sound pretty good, but a lot of the times I stumble on my words a lot. So without further ado, I guess what I'm going to start off reading about is bonus holes and front holes, which if you don't know what I'm talking about, 
you're like I was this morning before I found this on the internet, which is, I guess, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's like, am I happy I found it? Actually, yeah, I am. Because as Derek has stopped me very many times from saying clams is not the right way to, uh, is not the new, the, it's not the right nickname for vaginas. It's actually fairly offensive, he tells me, which I can guess. And since our re- our listenership is actually about 54% female, hi, ladies. Welcome to the show. You're welcome for all the eye candy. Well, I guess this week you only get half the eye candy. Sorry. Derek's busy with his family, doing family stuff, where I'm just in here recording my podcast where my baby's in the next room. So if you hear some squawking in the background, that's it. But, uh, oh yeah. So Derek always stops me from saying clams, which is probably for the best because it is pretty, it is, it is a pretty bad thing to call vaginas. I mean, not that I talk to women about their vaginas that much. I don't even know how I'd broach that subject. I was never good at it when I'm single, when I was single. But now that I've been dating Andrea for like six, seven years, I am especially bad at talking about other women about their vaginas. And Andrea just doesn't like, she doesn't like potty humor, which I don't know how you date this guy with the thumbs for seven years and not like potty humor because that's like, it's like my sense of humor is 70% potty humor, 20% um, self-deprecation, and like 10% science fiction slash anime slash video game references that I guess nerds get. I, I was going to say nobody gets, but that would be mean because there's a lot of nerds who get it because I'm a nerd and I get science fiction references. Back to what I was saying about vaginas. Uh, there was a place in the UK that is a um, Joe's Cervical Cancer Trust. It is a like um, a charitable organization in the UK, and what they ha- it's no longer on their webpage because I went and I looked at the sitemap. I seriously dealt deep. As far as my non-hacker skills can be, all I did was go to the sitemap and then scroll through the whole list of pages to find their glossary, which isn't there anymore. But the um, Telegraph and the Daily Mail both wrote stories about this because what's what was that place called? Joe's Joe's, J-O-apostrophe-S, Cervical Cancer Trust, on their page had wrote that to stop hurting trans women's feelings, you don't call it a vagina anymore. You call it either a bonus hole or the front hole. And you can guess what happened next. The whole right wing and everybody who like doesn't like trans, they've been popping, they've been getting a lot of steam lately and been getting full throated. They took this and they ran with it and they're like, can you believe this shit? But another thing that happened was um, the weird term bonus hole. You can't really call it that because I was reading this other article about it. And it turns out that that's actually misogynistic because women come with two holes. Okay. Cis women at birth 
come with two holes on the bottom. They have a bunch on the face too, but we're not talking about those. We're only talking about the ones below the equator. So to call the vagina a bonus hole makes it sound like it's one more hole than should be there, which is almost like saying that only men are the natural people with one hole. And then when you get a woman, she has a bonus hole. And I get like the problem with this stuff is they had the best intentions like Joe's cervical cancer trust. I got to stop saying the whole name. Didn't want to make cis women feel bad. Well, I hope they didn't because that would just be mean. But what they wanted to do was make trans women feel inclusive even though they don't have a natural built vagina. It's like built by science. But the reason this all keeps coming up is because trans women can still get cervical cancer because some of the stuff, I want to say this unscientifically, we went through it in an older episode, but what can happen is trans women can actually still get cervical cancer because of the stuff they use to build the fake vagina can actually, I don't know, it's, 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 they can get cancer in there. So trans women can get cancer on the inside of their store-bought vagina. I don't know if that's offensive. I was going to say science-built, but I already said science-built, so I don't want to hit too hard on the science-built vagina thing. But anyways, so they had the best intentions, but they ended up being accidentally misogynistic. So the right wing came and they're like, can you believe they're doing this? They're trying to erase women. I can't believe it. And it's like, it's weird that the conservative right says that because they've been trying to erase women since who knows when. And women have basic, like the reason there's women's rights and they have to fight for equal rights, equal pay, voting and all that stuff. Like up until the eighties, Women couldn't, up until the 80s, I should say, women couldn't get their own bank account. They had to get their husband or father to open one for them. And the reason that all existed was because of conservative dickhead men who want to hold women down because, I don't know, they feel like if women have equal grounding, they won't be able to have sex with them because all men are terrible. I don't understand. I'm just playing this by ear. I feel like everybody... On one hand, everybody should have the right to do everything they want. But on the other hand, I don't want anybody to be annoying around me. It's, it's I have this weird like political spectrum base, but I actually fall just left of center. But I also really hate bullies because I was picked on in school sometimes. So I super hate when people are trying to hold a different group of people down. So I so of course I stand up for LGBTQ rights. Sorry if I said that wrong because they should be allowed to do whatever they want. So uh, Sorry, I kind of just argued myself in a circle there. So what I'm saying is the right wing's all upset that they're trying to erase women. That's one of the – like with LGBTQ rights and stuff, men – or not men. Uh, conservative right wing always come with one of two tactics. One, they're trying to erase women. Two, they're trying to groom the kids. This has nothing to do with kids. I don't even want to get into that because that's just a whole fucking Pandora's box Hey, there's another perfectly good name for a vagina that's not bonus hole or front hole. Pandora's box. But what I think, I think this is all a conspiracy by big anal. 
they want to refer to the non-butthole hole on a woman as the bonus hole or other hole to normalize the butthole so that anal sex becomes more frequent and regularized. I mean, that's why you're seeing all this eat ass stuff everywhere. Like, everybody's like, I eat ass. I'm super cool. It's like the guys who wear chucks to the gym. Nobody cares, bro. You eat ass. Don't put it as a bumper sticker on your car. I mean, maybe it'll get you a date, but most likely it will be from, you know what? I'm not even going to shame anybody. I'm just going to say, hey, do whatever you want. Eat ass. Do that. But don't call it a bonus hole. And don't force people who don't want to to eat asses because that can give you dysentery. Like, I feel like 10 years ago, the big joke was at, like if we farted on someone's pillow, like from that movie um, Knocked Up, they farted on his pillow and everybody in the house got pink eye. So we go from you fart on a pillow, the whole household of roommates gets pink eye to everybody's just going to get wasted and eating each other's ass. What happened to pink eye? Nobody's scared of that anymore. Nobody's scared of dysentery. Nobody's scared of barfing, getting weird throat things like Michael Douglas. He said he got HPV in his throat from eating out Catherine Zeta-Jones so much, which no comment. Good on you, bro. I mean, you're the older guy in the, in the, in the relationship and maybe you have to try a little harder to keep her around, but yeah. So also, yeah, the reason I bought up, brought up, I just forgot his name. I literally just said his name and I, oh, Michael Sheen. Is that what I said? I feel like I said Michael Sarah the first time, which thinking of Michael Sarah eating out Catherine Zeta-Jones to the point where he gets throat cancer is kind of hilarious. Anyways, so Michael Sheen ate out Catherine Zeta-Jones to the point of getting cancer in his throat, but... We have all this HPV awareness. Like that's what Bill Gates giving all these African teenage girls. <laughs> Derek is not here to keep me from opening my big mouth. But Bill Gates is going around Africa giving all these people vaccines against HPV because he's scared they're going to get them. Okay, that's fine. You could get HPV in your butt. So if you're eating vagina and butt, you're twice as likely to get HPV. So... 10 minutes rambling, succinct into one sentence. Don't call it a bonus hole. That's misogynistic. Don't eat ass. You'll get sick. Everybody have a nice day. No, that's just the first subject. You know, it's funny because every time we do these podcasts, or I guess I do this podcast myself, I'm always like, we're not going to have enough stuff to talk about. This is going to be terrible. We're going to just blast through everything, and then we won't have enough. Like last week. When we had that author on, oh man, I was like, we are not going to have enough time to talk to this guy for however long we had him for like an hour. And I was like, okay, I got some questions to Derek had questions for Tobias. And then it ends up, we only get through like, dude, Derek never said anything, but I think he might underlying be mad at me because I kept them rambling about like the building the dam and stuff and Derek had all these questions that we never got to and then we ran out of time so it's like I always feel like we're gonna run out of time or we're gonna have too much time and run out of content to talk about but then I remember how much I love the sound of my own voice and it's like yeah 
I could fill an hour talking to myself about certain things. So what I'm saying is, I thought we were going to run out of time, but we're already 16 minutes in and I was just talking about the first topic, which, hey, champion, I made it. Are you guys proud of me? You should be proud of me. I totally thought I was going to derail this. I also feel like talking about how I never record by myself is the same as self-deprecating humor. Here's a hot tip, young men. Young women don't like self-deprecating humor. They just think it makes you look bad. Because there's a reason that all these like alpha dude, conquer women, date women stuff, you just got to go in with confidence. Because the last thing a woman wants to do is just try to rebuild a man's self-esteem. But the problem is with self-deprecating humor is it's a good way to get self-esteem because it helps you not care about the faults you see in yourself. So you bring them up as a joke and then it helps you deal with them emotionally and then you get over and it actually helps you build your self-esteem. But people only get this emotionally evolved to see stuff like that later on in life, like past 30. So men don't use self-deprecating humor for women because they find it the most of the time, not all women, not all women, sorry, I don't want to grossly generalize everybody, but most, the most common women, is that a thing I can say? Fuck. This, this used to be so much easier back when you could just generalize and people would be like, hey, don't generalize, but they wouldn't like get you fired from your job. So what I'm going to say is most common women don't like self-deprecating humor because they feel it feels like a glimpse into a low self-esteem. Now, the reason I, <laughs> I'm just overcorrecting. Like now I'm trying to talk slow because I was like, I was just talking really fast. I got to talk slower. Okay. This I'm all up in my head. The whole re which is, this is so meta because the whole reason I brought up self-deprecating humor is that's like me on this podcast talking about how hard it is for me to do a podcast by myself. And it's a little too fourth wall breaking, a little too self-aware. And it's kind of like the same. Th Anyways, you get that. You get the joke. Like, God damn, keep it together. Five minutes. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I just won't release this podcast at all. Maybe. I'll just be like, wow, that's like a peek into Dale's head. Maybe people don't want to get that good look. Maybe it seems like, okay, here's another thing. I say, like, I joke about schizophrenia and Andrea, who is a way more emotionally evolved person and more empathetic to other people than me. She tells me I shouldn't joke about schizophrenia because it's mean to people who have schizophrenia, which to me kind of is the reason why it's so funny. But I digress. So the next super important topic that everybody's talking about on the internet and angry about is they found cocaine in the White House, which honestly, if you ask me, if you live in the White House, I, I just thought of this White House cocaine. There you go. It's like you're supposed to have white in the White House. But so what happened was they found it's so hard not to say cocaine. They found cocaine in a cubbyhole in the West Wing. So 
If you're not familiar with the White House, like I'm not, there's different parts. The only thing I know from reading this one article about the White House is the West Wing, besides being that Aaron Sorkin show that I never watched because it looked super dry and boring and looked like homework, I didn't watch it. But besides that show, the West Wing is where all the political people go and that's where the Oval Office is and that's basically where they do the work part in the White House. So if you think of the White House... It's like one of those corner stores where the people live above it, like in Kim's Convenience. So the West Wing is the store, and the rest of the White House is the house, and that's where everybody lives. So the West Wing has this part where you check in, and people who work at the White House are allowed to give people who don't work at the White House, like their friends and their family and co-workers, I guess, acquaintances. I don't know how close you have to like someone to be able to give them a tour. Anyways, people who work at the White House are allowed to give non-White House worker people tours. But if you don't work in the White House, you have to check your shit. So it's basically like when you go to a concert and you go to coat check, you go to a little cubby, you put your phone in there and your other stuff. I don't know. I guess they don't want people just randomly recording in the White House which doesn't make sense because nothing bad ever happens in there. So in these cubbies where people check their phones and stuff, they found a bag of cocaine. The secret service found it. So, and the weird thing is they're like, we don't know whose it is. Ha ha ha. So now everybody on the internet's like, basically the culture war is blaming the last two presidents kids. Like all the left guys and girls, people, everyone on the left is making fun and saying it's Donald Trump Jr. Jr.'s coke. Everybody on the right, which is a little more plausible if you ask me, which I don't know. It's like I don't even want to say it because I don't want to be – I don't want people to think I like Trump or I'm on the right. But you have Hunter Biden – You have Hunter Biden. He's actually living in the White House right now. And he has, I don't know if you say, had some drug troubles in the past. But the big part is, if if this turns out to be Hunter Biden's coke, he gets in a whole bunch of shit because of all those, um, that legal trouble he just had where he didn't pay his taxes and he bought a gun while he was high on crack, which turns out to a federal crime, which all just got washed away because he's, Joe Biden's kid, which, I mean, I don't hate nepotism. I just hate that my dad wasn't in a position of a power enough to help me out. Like, if my dad had this really sweet job and it got me a whole lot of money and I could be a fuck around kid, that would be awesome. Nepotism would be the greatest thing in the world. But now, nepotism is just this thing that makes me angry and jealous because everybody who benefits from nepotism that's someone else's dad that they're getting good. Like, I mean, I, all right. My dad was pretty, he was a pretty cool guy. I love him while well, he's gone now. Part of the dead dad club. It's a whole other thing you probably shouldn't open up to on the, I mean, I, I'll talk about it if somebody wants me to. But anyways, he's like a good guy. He was like not successful. He was a hardworking farmer. He had the American dream where he thought if he worked really hard, everything would work out. It kind of worked out for him, I guess. I mean, he had a house to live in when he was 40. He had a whole farm. I have nothing. I rent this one-bedroom apartment. Not that I'm bitter or anything. 
But let's get back to nepotism. Because I feel like if I, if my dad was super powerful, like especially if he was Joe Biden, I could like maybe somehow go to a country across the world and be like, hey, my dad is super powerful. And if you give me a bunch of money, I will make it so that he talks to certain people in favor of you, even though nobody wants to talk about how I, the son of the president, got money from a country that's currently being invaded. I'm not going to say which one, and you won't know because there's so many being invaded right now. Anyways, I was getting paid off by this country that's getting invaded, and my dad is also sending all of taxpayers' money. Well, he's not sending the money to Ukraine. He's buying weapons from his friends and then sending those weapons to the Ukraine. So it's almost like the weapons manufacturers in the U.S. are on welfare because they're living off the taxpayers' money, which I don't know. This I might have said too much already. But yeah, that's it's weird when you think about it because like I always like it's funny because I always used to think when people said taxpayer money was our money, like you always heard that grumpy old guy be like, they're spending our money. And you're like, whatever, I pay like a little bit of taxes. It doesn't it's not like it's like older spending a couple cents of everything I buy on stuff. But when you think about it, there's this pool of money that could be making stuff in their home country so much better like all those roads that are falling apart and the infrastructure and bridges that aren't up to snuff right now. And then they're trying to put all these electric cars that weigh three times as much on all this broken infrastructure. Let's see how that works. Whatever. Anyways, they're taking all that money that they could be making that better. And they're just buying weapons from their friends. They're like, Hey, Lockheed Martin, you make bombs. Here's a bunch of money make some bombs, and then go take it over there. I mean, I guess the one benefit of all of this is if you're an American, I'm in Canada, by the way, if you're an American, your military sons and daughters aren't dying overseas for a proxy war. You're just sending weapons to another country so that they can defend themselves in that proxy war. So I guess on one hand... You're kind of getting your cake and eating it too, because if you're the government, you get to live this military industrial complex dream of spending all this money on a proxy war to bleed dry an enemy that you thought you had beat in the 60s when you went to the moon first, and then they broke up into other little countries. But the biggest country that was left from that union, do you like how much code I'm talking right now? Just because I'm too scared the algorithm's going to pick up on the words I'm saying? I kind of got lost. Okay, yeah. So you're so you back to the military industrial complex. So you're getting your cake and you're eating it too. Because not only are you fighting this proxy war in the dumbest way possible, where you're basically it's like a war of attrition where you're just bleeding each other's resources dry with a huge cost to manpower because you're fighting in trenches and man-to-man combat in 2023, which doesn't make sense to me. But you get to fight this war, you get to bleed your enemy dry, and you also get to keep your, all your own soldiers so that people at home don't even object to the war as much. Because it's like, 
the left kind of turned into Warhawks, which was a surprise to me. Should be a surprise to everybody, but I guess if you look at like Obama and stuff and Clinton, they had all these wars going. I never dug that deep into it. I'm talking about more like the surface left and right, like the average Joe American. The average Joe left-wing American is for this proxy war, and the average Joe right American is against this war, which if you were around during Desert Storm, that's a complete 180 for both parties. Like they flipped. That's weird. Okay, so I guess that's Coke in the White House. That's me talking about it. I don't feel like I talked about a lot of Coke. Oh, I just wanted to say that if this Coke does turn out to be Hunter Biden's, that's what I was talking about when I got into all that war stuff. If it actually turns out to be his, he gets in deep doo-doo because it's him breaking his probation about getting such leniency for his taxes and gun charge and stuff because he's supposed to not be doing drugs at all anymore. And I mean, you figure just bringing drugs into the White House should be enough trouble, should like make it enough trouble. But it's like, oh, you're breaking your probation. That's where the trouble comes in. So I'm like half hour in. I've only made it through two subjects. This is awesome. Like I still have all that Bill C-18 shit to go through. I might even be able to make it through this whole podcast. Easy peasy. Um... Oh, let's talk about this fucking new threads thing that everybody's talking about. The weird thing is, just like how everybody popped the 180 on the whole proxy war thing, I feel like everybody popped the whole 180 on which billionaire they like. Because remember before Elon Musk owned Twitter? Well, it was people were kind of souring him on him before, but when it was like when it was Tesla Musk, Boring Company Musk, SpaceX Musk, like He's sending people to space. He's starting Starlink. He's going to give the entire world the internet. He's give, He made electric cars popular, so everybody wants an electric car because he actually made them actually affordable. Because have you seen other – like other electric cars that aren't the baseline Tesla are like 70 grand, and they used to be worse. It used to be like – like Derek would have talked to this if he was here because he bought a Kona – I think five years ago or something like a Hyundai Kona and it ended up being like 28 grand. But if he would have got the electric version of it, it was like 70 grand. So anyways, Elon Musk makes all this ground gain. He gets electric cars, not only popular, but actual people wanted them because before the Tesla electric cars were fucking ugly. Do you remember what old Nissan Leafs looked like? Blah. Old Priuses. Blah. Actually, the Chevy Volt was always been dope looking. I always got to say that. Anyways, that's besides the point. Anyways, so people used to fucking love Elon Musk. And then you have Mark Zuckerberg and everybody hated him because he's the guy who scrubbed all your data from you and your friends. Remember, what was that company? Anyways, he had this like company that had, they were on Facebook when this, this was like the first big data scandal they ran like a survey and it scrubbed your data and all your friends data and then sent it to a company why can't i remember that name it starts with a c this is gonna bug me this is why i need derek anyways everybody used to hate mark zuckerberg because he was like the guy who gave us facebook and then got us way too addicted to it and then all of our gave all of our fucking racist relatives a podium where they could Full-throated scream all their idiotic ideas 
and beliefs in the world. But now everybody likes Zuckerberg and hates Musk. What the fuck happened? What, what happened? Like a week ago, two weeks ago even, was it the cage fight? Is that what did it? When Zuck and Musk agreed to have a cage fight because like Zuckerberg posted some picture of him playing jujitsu or not playing jujitsu. Fuck. I'm the worst Joe Rogan fan ever doing the life altering life bettering mental awareness building mind foundation building of jujitsu. So must. So, oh man, I've been scratching my nose a lot. eh? I don't know why it's like my throat gets dry. My nose gets dry. Anyways. So Zuck, speaking about Coke in the White House, I swear this isn't a White House. There is no Coke in my home. I haven't done Coke since fentanyl became a thing. True story. Too scared. Way too scared. That's how many times am I going to have to say that's another thing? A bag of worms, Peridot box, Pandora's box. All that. Well, how many times do I have to keep saying shit that I don't want to open up? Okay. We're not talking about fentanyl. We're going back to Zusk. <laughs> Zusk. That's actually a pretty good combination of the two. Zusk, Zuckerberg, and Mike. Musk. Zuskerberg? Muskerberg's pretty good. Yeah, let's go with Muskerberg. So Muskerberg, which we should be thinking of them as one guy because they're, they per, they're just like politics. They're like, we're two entirely separate beings who have different things, which just suck all your life and your data. Anyways, Zuckerberg and Musk got into this thing where they're like, hey, we're going to have a cage fight. And then Zuckerberg's like, yeah, let's do it. And then Musk is like, hey, I'm like a walrus fighter. I don't know. It's like this whole big thing, which I thought. I was going to be talking about, but that was two weeks ago. And then something entirely, I mean, people probably saw threads coming, but I had no idea it was something that existed until the day it existed because everybody on Twitter again was like, Hey, they built something else so we can leave Twitter. And you're like, cool. Like signal didn't work. Parlor didn't work. True social didn't work spoutable didn't work blue sky which i never even heard of until after threads came out is that all there's probably more anyways none of those other things worked so why is threads gonna work oh because it's zuckerberg and it's based on his facebook slash instagram platform that's actually based off his instagram platform so it's like instagram but it's tweets i don't know but anyway so Everybody's all like horny for threads, which to me is like a stripped down Twitter, which annoyed me because when you go to post a photo, you can't pick which on your phone, you can't pick like which of your galleries you want to pull from. It just automatically finds it or you're fucked. Like if, if, if it just pulls it up, if it pulls it up in the thumbnails, you can post it. But if it's somewhere else on your phone, you can't go looking for it. You just can't post it. So... That sucks about it. For a while, it wasn't updating the feed until you closed the program and reloaded it, but they fixed that. So anyways, Zuckerberg launches Threads, which feels like a copyright infringement. Like, how could you launch Threads 
and it looks exactly like Twitter and it acts exactly like Twitter and get away with it. Like, are they somehow sidestepping the whole copyright thing? Unless the hilarious thing would be was if Musk sued Musk is trying to sue Twitter it's, or threads. It's like up in the air right now where he's like, he copy pasted me, blah, 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 like nerd fight. But the funny thing would be is Musk sues Zuckerberg for copying Twitter to make threads. And then Zuckerberg ends up paying this huge fine, but he's like, why don't I just buy Twitter instead? And then Musk does that thing where he makes bad, like he does the stuff that everybody says is a bad decision, but then he makes a boatload of money out of it. Like if Musk somehow sells Twitter to Zuckerberg for like $60 billion dollars, just so Zuckerberg can close Twitter and have threads and then just have a stranglehold on everything on the internet because he's so bitter that nobody wanted to go in the metaverse and he sunk a third of Facebook's fortune. I guess it's meta now. He sunk a third of meta's fortune into this online virtual reality that nobody wanted to go into because they're like, yeah, that's across the creepy line that we don't want to go into. We pretend we don't have a problem with social media and we kind of pretend that it's other it's like social media's fault that it's so addicted and we can't pull ourselves off. But if we go into virtual reality, that's kind of like this weird like if we have to put on a headset just to partake we have to finally admit to ourselves that we're the problem and we have the addiction. So we're not going to do that. We're just going to stay back and not do that. Oh, and another thing, since I'm talking about Twitter, it's weird timing that threads came out when it did because it happened right after Musk did this totally normal, to me it seems normal, he made it so everybody had an allotance, allowance, I guess, of tweets you could see. It started out as non-verified people could look at 600 tweets in a day. Verified people could look at 6,000. And then he's like, well, 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 that's not enough. Let's make it so non-verified people can look at 800 and verified people can look at 8,000. Because what he was saying was there's sites that were data scrubbing. I don't know what that means. Sorry. This is just what they said. That was data scrubbing Twitter so much so that it was screwing up Twitter's servers and slowing the whole system down for everybody. So what he was trying to do was make it so that anybody who was like, like, cause 800 tweets in a day, that's a lot. I've never looked at that many. Like I haven't really pushed it to try if I could. Some of my friends complained that it wasn't enough, but I highly doubt that any of them actually got over 800 to the point where unless you're, Twitter is part of your job. There's no way you should look at 800 tweets in a day. I mean, I could be like the boomer here who's just like, you shouldn't look at that many tweets. And I just sound like some out of touch a-hole, but you shouldn't look at that many tweets. If you do, you got a problem unless it's for your job. And if you're using Twitter as part of your job, pay for it, you cheap bastard, or get your boss to pay for it. Just be like, hey, boss. Make me verified so I get this dope blue check mark and I can finally be included in all these algorithms. And that's the only reason why Dale's not popular because he's not verified, which I tell myself. Or just get off Twitter. Anyways, so he launches, he not launches, he does this thing where you can't have more than 800. 
everybody loses their mind because they're like, he's changing Twitter, even though I do got to give Musk this. He made Twitter so much better because it used to be if you looked at Twitter on your app and you wanted to copy paste text out of a te- uh, out if you wanted to copy paste text out of a tweet you had to basically just copy the tweet to your clipboard but since musky took over you could just select which text you want to copy out of that tweet which most people i guess don't run into but if you're like me and you just make a whole bunch of typos and then tweet it and then you're like oh fuck i better just delete this and redo it so you copy paste the tweet and then you know, anyway, so anyways, the ability to select which text out of a tweet you want to copy paste has been incredibly helpful. And it is probably easy that and being able to select where in Twitter, where in your phone you want to pull a picture from to post it makes it better than threads. Sorry, everybody who wants to hate on Musk and join on Zuckerberg. I'm team Musk. Day I die. The way I see it, I've said this before on this podcast, I'll say it again. Musk is just out to get rich, but somehow in his attempts to get rich, he just makes the life better. It's almost like this weird, tragic, greedy, like demon anti-hero thing where he just like, it's like he's like an accidental good dragon. Like he's trying to get this treasure chest in his horde, in his mountain, like Smaug. But instead of burning villages and stuff, he just like builds up villages so they give him gold. I don't know how it works. But every time Musk gets richer, the world gets better. And to me, that doesn't make sense. We're supposed to hate billionaires because they're supposed to be greedy and they take from us and they take from the little guy and then they just pull it away like Bill Gates who just bought all the farmland in the States for no reason. But Musk, I don't know, like, maybe he turns into a Lex Luthor character where he's like, after Starlink is fully operational, he just goes, hey, I own all the internet. Nobody can have it without me. But even if he does that, he gets us out of the out of the clutches of Google and Amazon who own all the internet right now. All the server farms and stuff is that ASW thing, Amazon server, whatever... Server, what? I don't know. ASW, there's ads for it everywhere. Or Google, they own pretty much all the data that's being stored on the internet. They're just like letting you have it. So if Musk does that with Skynet, or not Skynet, Starlink, and kind of gets us with the, that would be another example of him getting super rich, but somehow making our life better. Makes no sense to me. Andrea wants me to keep this to. A tight hour, toyed hour, which I got to give it to Derek. He introduced us to doing tight hours because he had a baby before me. And it's actually a wonderful fucking idea. I love doing tight hours. So I'm going to try to do a tight hour. No promises, but I also have a baby and my girlfriend doesn't like when I just ignore them so I can scream on the internet and make dick jokes because, as I said before, her sense of humor is terrible because she doesn't like my dick jokes. Anyways, let's talk about Bill C-18. So I took a whole bunch of notes because, like a total fucking nerd, on Saturday night, instead of going out and having 
a social life or talking to people or playing video games with strangers or friends alike. I was on the the government website reading a summary of Bill C-18 because I had I had one friend, Brady, he asked me about it. He said, can you believe that the government is going to stop Google from putting news on the internet? And I was like, I don't think that's how it works. I'm going to look into this and then I'll get back to you. So I looked into it. So what people are, I guess, reacting to is I'll read you what, where is it? Sorry, you're going to have to deal with me scrolling through my notes and reading out loud. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a blog, not the whole blog post, but part of the blog post of the president of global affairs of Google and Alphabet. Alphabet's the company that owns Google. So this this blog is titled, An Update on Canada's Bill C-18 and Our Search and News Products. <clears throat> so it says... Bill C-18 has become law and remains unworkable. The government has not given us reason to believe that the regulatory process will be able to resolve structural issues with the legislation. As a result, we have informed the government that we have made the difficult decision that when the law takes effect, we will be removing links to Canadian news from our search, news and discover products, and will no longer be able to operate Google News Showcase in Canada. Which, you hear that and you're like, oh shit, that sounds bad. But you read a little bit more and you're like, um, okay, yeah. Here, so this is further reading in the blog. The government of Canada has enacted a new law called Bill C-18, the Online News Act, requiring two companies to pay for simply showing links to news. Okay, what the owner of Google or the president of Global Affairs when he says the two companies, he means Meta and Google. Those are the two companies he's talking about. Which isn't true. It's all companies. It's just those are the two biggest ones. Something that everyone else does for free. Also, you guys have been doing this for free up until now. The unprecedented decision to put a price on links, so-called link tax, creates uncertainty for our products and exposes us to uncapped financial liability, simply facilitating Canadians' access to news from Canadian publishers. We have been saying for over a year that this is the wrong approach to supporting journalism in Canada and may result in significant changes to our products. We, now, we have now informed the government that when the law takes effect, which is at the end of this year, end of 2023, had to look that up separately. More research I did so you don't have to. You're welcome. Totally lost my place where, um, oh yeah, we have now informed the government that when the law takes effect, we unfortunately will have to remove links to Canadian news from our search news and discover products in Canada. And that C18 will also make it untenable for us to continue offering our Google News Showcase product in Canada. We're disappointed it has come to this. We don't take this decision or its impact slightly and believe it's important to be transparent with Canadian publishers and our users as early as possible. Bullshit, Google. That's not being transparent with Canadian publishers and stuff because they're making it sound like they have no way out of this. But the funny thing, uh, funny thing is about BC, B, Bill, B's, Bill C18 is it's not saying Google can't 
put links to Canadian news. It's not saying any of that. All it's saying is, hey, Google, you're making so much fucking money. Why don't you why don't you break us off a piece or give the Canadian news organizations a piece? It's also saying that the government of Canada is not even the one who's going to facilitate what Google has to pay for it. What Bill C-18 says is it's to facilitate the bargaining between the Canadian news organizations and the Googles to see what they want to pay. How do I know that? Well, when I was reading the summary of the bill, it said stuff like that. So I'm going to, this is the part that I warned you about. I just gave you some reading. I'm going to give you the important parts of the bill to read the sum, sorry, the bill summary. Cause I read multiple pages, which to some of you might sound like not that much, but when you're reading and governmental literature, a couple of pages is a lot of pages because it's dry. It's drier than my throat is. The actual funny thing, I guess, I don't know if it's a fun, if funny is the right word, but the most telling thing about reading governmental literature is remember when Google said the Online News Act? That's just the nickname for this bill. That's the short title. The actual BC, I want to say BC all the time because I live in BC, but the actual Bill C-18 title is an act respecting online communication platforms that makes news content available to persons in Canada. The fuck is that, government? Thanks a lot. Maybe, I guess... They gave us a short title. They could just call it the Online News Act instead of an act respecting online communication platforms that makes news content available to persons in Canada. Could you imagine if you if I had to read all of those words every time I mentioned the Online News Act? It would get pretty tiresome. So anyways, I kind of pulled out notes about this act. So I'm going to read to you. So... This is a summary of the purpose of the bill. The purpose of BCIL, BCIL, God, oh, I just can't say Bill C. The purpose of Bill C-18 is to rebalance the power dynamics in the digital news marketplace in order to ensure fair compensation for Canadian media outlets and journalists. It creates a new legislative and regulatory framework to enable digital news intermediaries to negotiate agreements with Canadian media to authorize them to disseminate Canadian media content on their platforms. The bill sets up a process that enables smaller media outlets to bargain collectively. This is the most important part to me because this means all of your, I guess, Burnaby Now, Kamloops This Week, Salmon Arm Observer all those tiny papers that nobody knows of, instead of having to go at it alone and being like, hey, I don't want my news links to go on or whatever. But the other important thing is, because those are all owned by the same guy, so I guess, anyways. But what it means is, when they say news organization, later in the bill, it extrapolate. it doesn't extrapolate, it says that a news organization is basically an organization that has some journalistic intent or whatever, but employs two people. So this could just be like websites. This could actually be Outreach Factory. If me and Derek got paid by this and we did news, 
we would be a news organization. You know what? Maybe I'll have to talk to Derek. Maybe Outrage Factory should have a news arm, and then I can go put that fucking journalism degree I got that I haven't been using ever to good use, and maybe write a news article. Oh, that would be so boring, though. You have to, like, call people and ask them questions and be like, hey, what do you think about this thing that happened? Although, at the same time, that'd be pretty funny. Okay, I'm going to do this super annoying thing where I jump ahead, then I jump back. Because Bill C-18 has 93 clauses, and I'm going to read clause number two. Because when I was reading that first part about the summary, the purpose of Bill Bill, Bill, oh my god. Just put Beasel on my gravestone, because I'm going to say that more times than anything. Anyways, when I was reading about the, the thing, about B, Bill C-18, I said digital news intermediary. And some people might be like, well, that, never heard that thing. I'm going to read you what the bill in their clause number two, because it has 93 clauses. I'm not going to read you all 93, although it would be hilarious and very Andy Kaufman-esque if I just sat here and read through every single clause. But as you could tell, my voice is already frogging up, so I can't. Also, I would rather die than read 93 clauses from a bill out loud or even read. I Like, I read the summary that only had, like, 10 specific clauses in it. I don't even want to read them all. Anyways, clause number two has the definition for digital news intermediary. And this is what it is. Digital news intermediary means an online communications platform, including a search engine or social media service. That's where your Googles and your Facebooks come into play. That is subject to the legislative authority of parliament and that makes news content produced by news outlets available to persons in Canada. It does not include an online communication platform that is a messaging service, the primary purpose of which is to allow persons to communicate with each other privately. So what I get, I'm gathering what this means is, I mean, is there a social media where you just talk to each other privately? Does Twitter count? No. I guess this would just mean like WhatsApp or anything where you're sharing news on those and it's like a text service or like Facebook chat. It wouldn't count under this. It wouldn't count as a digital news intermediary because it's all meant for like public use. So I guess if you want to talk drug dealer talk, digital news intermediary means the dealer or the intent to distribute. If you're taking news with the intent to distribute, whereas it's okay to use it for personal use, there you go. Drug dealer terms always make everything sound better because everybody knows how to buy drugs, which is weird. <clears throat> so, okay, so I'm going back. Remember when I said I was going to do that annoying thing where I jump forward and then I jump back? I just wanted to hit on the news intermediary thing because in case it comes up the bill also expands the mandate and powers of the canadian radio television and telecommunications Com commission the crtc 
It gives the CRTC responsibility for developing the code of conduct governing bargaining between digital news intermediaries and news businesses. So that's the part where it's like this whole bill, the main cause of this bill is so that the CRTC, all those words I said with all the syllables before, facilitates the bargaining between the Googles and the small websites with two people. To be eligible, a news business must be a qualified Canadian journalism organization or meet other statutory criteria that include operating in Canada and regularly employing two or more journalists in Canada. The Act would not apply to digital news intermediaries unless there is a significant power bargaining power imbalance. So this is why the Google guy was saying it's only two companies because he's only looking at giant news sites like so if you're talking about like your cbc news is and your other news source the globe and mail if you're talking about those two the only people with more bargaining power i guess more fucking pizza to throw around is a good way to say it is the googles and the facebook so if you're talking about like cbc or globe and mail they're only going to have to because if someone's smaller than those two, it like what this is saying is if someone if like Joe Schmo social media account is like I guess spoutable because <laughs> nobody knows what it is. If spoutable's linking news to Canadian news like the CBC, it doesn't fall under this because CBC has way more bargaining power than spoutable. So spoutable doesn't have to go to like, like CBC doesn't have to go to like the CRTC and be like, Hey, can you facilitate a bargaining for us? They can just go bargain directly with spoutable. <clears throat> the act would not apply to digital news intermediaries unless there's a significant power bargaining power imbalance. The goal is to support news businesses to negotiate and receive fair compensation when third parties with a dominant market position monetize their news content in a market environment that has been disadvantageous to news businesses. In this way, the measures seek to support continued production and widespread, widespread availability on news content. I think I'm losing my ability to read out loud. It's a good thing we're <clears throat> reaching the end of this podcast because I'm also getting froggy because even though I talk a lot on the podcast, I never talk for an hour straight. Usually Derek steps in with a soapbox moment. I always love those because it gives me a chance to get drinks without having to edit it out later. But that's also another reason why <clears throat> it's better to podcast with two people. Like I can't believe Tim Dillon... And Bill Burr, like, those are two guys I know. I listen to their podcast, and they're just always by themselves. I can't believe they do it. I mean, Tim Dillon has a producer who laughs at his jokes, so he kind of knows when what he says is funny or raunchy, whereas me, I just have to go by my own super keen sense of humor to tell me when I'm being funny, which, I mean, I don't know. What if I'm not funny? You ever have those dark thoughts, like those intrusive dark thoughts where you're like sitting in bed and you're like, what if I'm not funny? What if I'm not famous because nobody thinks my jokes are funny? And then you have like this like horror show flashback montage in your head of every joke you've ever said that no one laughed at. And then you just 
come up with this like compilation of like hours of jokes with just people not laughing at you and you laughing at your own joke yourself. Actually, that would be if AI ever gets to the point where they can read memories and do sitcoms, that's when I'll, that's would be the most funny comedic special was it's just me telling jokes to people who don't think they're funny, them not laughing and me laughing at them as like this big encapsulating montage of me not being funny. <laughs> Maybe I am Andy Kaufman. Maybe I was born way too late. How did Andy Kaufman be not funny and antagonistic and basically piss every single person off and just get super famous to the point where Bill Jim Carrey does a movie about him? Bill Carrey. Like, what do I got to do to piss people off enough to get the like Jim Carrey of 30 years from now to do me in a movie? So another part of this bill is it points at, like, why does this bill even exist, you ask? Well, I'm going to explain it to you. Bill C-18 arrives at a time when Canadian media outlets have experienced years of major declines in revenue. The loss of trust in journalism and the rise of disinformation are also major challenges for Canadian media. Is disinformation just like a triggering word for anybody else? Like how, even when I'm reading that sentence, as soon as I hit disinformation, I was like, these fuckers, can't they just use, just say misleading information or slanted views or highly subjective opinions. Stop using the word disinformation. It's a no-go. It's off. It's tainted. It's poisoned. So here, I'm going to reread that sentence. The loss of trust in journalism, <laughs> can't even read it. The loss of trust in journalism and the rise of misleading information are also major challenges for Canadian media. Although misleading information is getting there, but it's not quite as bad as disinformation. The House of Commons Standing Committee and Canadian Heritage undertook a study on the media and local communities following which it published a report entitled Disruption. Change and churning in Canada's media landscape. What's it like to read a parliamentary study? I gotta look into that. I don't even know where you'd find those. And I feel like I would be like, this is a terrible idea. One page in and tap out. But maybe I'll look up the change and churning in Canada's media landscape and read it. Maybe I'll do that as the next time Derek's unable to make a podcast. As punishment for him not showing up. It'll be me. I don't know how punishing the viewer by listening to me read the change in churning in Canadians media landscape is a punishment for Derek. But it all just goes back to that um, me doing something that's not funny and thinking it's hilarious. Okay. The report showed the serious advertising revenue declines suffered by community and daily newspapers. Conversely, the report indicated that the online advertising revenues of digital platforms grew exponentially over the same period. The committee therefore recommended that the government level the playing field among industries publishing Canadian news on all platforms. And this is why I fucking love the Canadian government. They see shit like, hey... Google's making all this fucking money. They're posting all these links. All these newspapers are losing money. Why don't we make it so it's fair? 
that's what government should do. Ah, just makes me so patriotic where it's not like in the States when they're like, can't we just ratchet back regulation? So government, so corporations make more money. Nope. Canada's like, this is a problem. It's going to be a bigger problem. We should help the news guys out. Say what you will about news organizations, Conrad Black, the devil, as I should say, the conglomerate, at least Canada makes two different companies, Black Press and what's the other one? Sun Media? Anyways, yeah, they make it so at least there's two companies instead of just one company that owns everything. And I love that they're taking steps like this is why I will always be a patriotic Canadian <laughs> because they take steps to make it fair. Because I grew up in a household with three siblings. And if there's no one out there to watch and make sure it's fair, shit just isn't fair. The person with the most might just comes in and eats all the licorice before you get a chance to get it. <laughs> That's a specific reference that maybe one listener who probably tapped out way before this because he hates listening to me read on the video. Whatever, Neil. You ate my licorice as a kid. I'll never forgive you. <laughs> I'll be bitter till I die. And that's only one of the many, many reasons. Okay. So yeah, like I said, Bill C-18 has 93 clauses. I, uh, I went through the summary of the clauses and I pulled out a couple. I already read you clause two, which was the digital news intermediary meaning. Um, clause 32 is on agreements. News organizations can make agreements with DNI and file with the CRTC. So what this means is, oh, I've got to stop scratching my nose. So what this means is the DNI, which is the digital news intermediaries, which is the Googles, they don't actually have to go through the CRTC. They don't actually have to do all this stuff. If Google wasn't a bunch of money thirsty asshole dickheads they could just go to the cbc's and the wall street journals and be like hey would you guys like to come to an agreement before this all happens and then if the cbc and globe and mail was like why yes google we view your service as very beneficiary for us so we might actually even forego the payment step of this then google could be like yay Let's make crowns of daisies and dance in a field because this is the happy ending that the CRTC wants. Because <clears throat> the government doesn't want to punish Google. The government, who is our friends, apparently I'm just a huge government fucking stan right now, just wants the little guy to get his beak wet. More drug terms. <clears throat> okay. Clause 61 has just basically says what the penalties are and these have some teeth like usually you hear about shit like bcil bill c18 and you're like fuck who cares whatever they're gonna find them like 20 bucks and then give them a spank on the butt nope clause 61 provides for a maximum penalty of 25 thousand dollars for a first violation by an individual individual which doesn't sound like that much when you're talking in the world of penalties and legality shit, but that's like 
over a third of over a quarter of my fucking annual salary. I couldn't afford to pay twenty twenty five thousand dollars. That's a fucking Honda Civic. You break this rule, you have to give someone a Honda Civic. Think of it like that. And ten million for the first violation by an entity. Now that's a fucking noise. That means Google can get fined ten million dollars. That's what Google's scared of. That's what Meta's scared of. That's why Zuckerberg gave up on his fucking metaverse dreams and tried to take down Musk just because he's scared he'll have to. No, I don't know. I don't actually. That would be wild if Bill C eighteen was the reason that Zuckerberg made threads. Because oh man. Imagine if that was a way to sidestep this whole loophole, because what if Twitter and threads doesn't count as a digital news intermediary because the primary function of Twitter and threads is to talk privately between people. Oh my God, Zuckerberg, you're a genius billionaire, which I guess is how you became a billionaire. We're almost there. After these after these clauses, I'm going to punch out because I feel like I can feel my girlfriend. She's having – she's like, what's he doing in there? Why is he taking so long? She never said anything. She never would. I could just feel. I just feel the energy. I want to go look at my baby's face and I want to kiss it. So there. Kissing my baby's face is more interesting than government bill talk. Just barely. But it is. Clause 79 of the bill authorizes the CRTC to make regulations respecting fees to be paid for the provisions of service. The CRTC may determine how these fees are calculated and the interest payable on overdue fees. The calculation of fees is based on the revenues of the digital news intermediaries of the group of new businesses and the market served. This one I kind of pulled out because it's kind of like, what? That just made it sound like the CRTC could set the price which is fine, but it's kind of like, because I was all like fully bonered up on this because I thought it was basically just a means for the little guy to get representation and then get paid by the big guy. But now it sounds like the CRTC's going to be like the middleman and be like, oh, don't mind if I do. Just pull a couple bills out of there. Your fines are overdue. This is a library now. It's My whole metaphor for drug dealing turned into a library with overdue fines. Thanks, CRTC. You stepped on the whole... Stepped on it. Another drug dealer joke. Class. Back to drug dealer metaphor. Anyways, yeah, the CRTC could set overdue fines or whatever. Which is cool. They should just come up with like a... Man, should I... Should we make Outrage Factory a news organization? Just so we can get our beaks wet in this? I don't even know what that would entail. I feel like that would take a lot of effort and marketing and research that I don't really feel like I want to do. So I'm just going to read this last clause and then call it a day. Clause 87. A review of the Online News Act and its operation must be conducted five years after it comes into force. That's nice. I love when they do like that. They're like, fuck. How about if some asshole takes over? I think this is this is a good thing about Canada. I don't know if it's specifically Canada, but this is a good thing about when you have a democracy where 
the leader of that democracy switches every four years because people can't stop themselves from wildly vacillating from left to right. So this is good. So when whatever conservative monster comes in after Trudeau, because somehow they convince the people that instead of Trudeau taking money from China, everybody should just give their taxes to the conservatives and not get enough stuff back. I don't know. Conservatives are evil. I don't care. Fuck off. I'll never be right wing because conservatives just take your money and don't give you shit back. I mean, yeah, I don't want to. Anyways, this is nice because when the next party takes over, it's going to be Trudeau again. I'm just calling it. I'm going to be a four-term, four-term prime minister. Anyways, if someone else takes over, there's a built-in check in five years to be like, was this a complete disaster? Did Google just try to strong, strong arm the CBCs and the Globe and Mails and make it? I'm saying that pluralized on pop, on purpose. I don't know. It's something I saw in Letterkenny. I thought it was funny. Now that I talked about it, it's not funny. Dale not being funny. Woo. <laughs> the Dale Kaufman effect. Um, yeah. So they can come in and be like, was this a total problem? Did Google win just by throwing their fucking weight around? Probably, but I guess in five years we'll see. Um, yeah, thanks for sticking with it. I hope that explains B Bill C eighteen enough for you. I guess I was kind of full of myself and white knighting the situation because I saw people talking about this and being like. B Bill C eighteen is making it so the Canadian government is not gonna let people know what's going on from the news. When in all reality, it basically boils down to the Googles and the Facebooks getting rich off of news organizations, maybe not specifically just Canadian ones, but like if Google searches didn't have news articles, would Google even exist anymore? Would Alphabet own everything that Facebook doesn't? I don't know. I guess we'll see. Hopefully, I like to dream. I like to have good guy dreams where everybody's nice and everybody loves each other. But then I meet people and they annoy me. And I realize I'm flawed inside. And I can't just love everybody because people are annoying. And they wreck everything. And they play Bluetooth speakers in parks. And then I just have to hate them and wish they die secretly in my head. Because if I kill them, then I go to jail where life is even worse than it is on the outside. Anyways, I just want to live in a life where everything is good. Everybody's happy. My naivety is never proven wrong. And everybody treats each other respect with respect. And everybody's the good part of Christianity and not the part where they're like, bad and killing other people and hate gays because it said something dumb in the Bible because they read the stupidest, most boring part of the Bible, which that's a whole not. Hey, that's Hey, that could be the last thing that I just bring up and shouldn't be talking about because it's too big of a can of worms. The Bible. I listened to the first four books. They were very boring. Genesis fucking rips. Everybody read Genesis because it's dope. Everybody should read Leviticus because that's where all those like, it's against my my religion rules come from because Leviticus is just a list of rules that you shouldn't do. Like that's where we get not eating shrimp or shellfish because these are all the rules that they gave the 
Jews as they are going through the desert for 40 years. Because if you eat shellfish when you're in the middle of the desert, it's probably bad by the time it got to you. So you'll die. That's also the part where it says a man should not lay with another man. It's also the weird, the weirdest part about this. And my favorite factoid about Leviticus is it says that if a woman has sex with an animal, they kill her and the animal. But if a dude has sex with an animal, they kill the animal, but they just ostracize him and let him live. Isn't that sexist? They don't even kill the dude who fucked a goat. They just killed a girl who fucked a goat. Or got fucked by a goat. Anyways. I mean, once you get to go fucking, you should just end the podcast. So, stay angry! Stay <laughs> angry!